We are the Ecclesia Militans reporting for duty. Sir, and, Terry, how are you? I'm re- reporting for duty also, Jess. I'm pretty excited about life, and I'll tell you why. I look at all the things that are going on in the world, and I go, man, what a blessing to know Jesus Christ. What a blessing to know the meaning and purpose of life when the world acts like God doesn't exist. And some people even inside the church are so mixed up, they can't figure out the difference between a man and a woman. And marriage is between a man and a woman. Come on. This is the world we're living in. Wake up. Come on. All right, Jess, we got um, one of our friends. She wrote a, uh, an article regarding let's call out our dirty old men again, meaning the guys in the church that are doing <laughs> bad things, let's call them out and say, look, I mean, they, they, I love it because it's coming from a mom. Okay? Yes. Yeah, man. She's yes. like, you know, you're not going to put this on my kids. She's like a, a mother bear, okay? <laughs> and so I think they ran into the wrong lady. So that's a good article. And then, you know, we're going to talk about another topic. One of the DDF archbishops makes a case for married priests. Can you imagine, Jesse, uh, all, of, all of the married priests that I know through the Anglican Ordinariate and through the Eastern Rite with the Melkites, uh, they all tell me, bad idea. And let's face it, when we talk about the financial strains that will come if they do that, who's going to support all the kids and the wife uh, in the, ch- the churches right now can barely pay their bills because of all the sexual law- lawsuits that have been coming? It's not a practical thing. So we're going to talk about that and much, much more. But you know what, Jess? Good to know, File. Bishop Athanasius Snyder, I just saw this on uh, LifeSite. He's publishing new prayers begging God for a, an era of holy popes. That's what we need to do. Get down on our knees and pray. And you know, Jess, this is the powerful thing about prayer. It works. Reparation, atonement. I'm telling you, uh, we just had a guy call us this morning, Jesse, about five in the morning. I just told you off the air. The dude calls and says, hey, I listened to you guys. Okay. I didn't know at the time, but he had some questions about biblical versions of the Bible, and he wanted my opinion on it. So so I gave it to him. And he says, um, I said, do you listen to Virgin Most Powerful? He says, yeah, that's what brought me back to the church, the Terry and Jesse show. I was a pagan, and now, you know, now I do holy hours, now I pray my rosary, I got my kids, my wife on board. I'm, le- I'm taking the leadership you guys asked me to do. I said, well, praise God. But you know what, Jess? Some people would say that Jesse and Terry, you guys are a little too hard on people. You're, you're like a fundamentalist. You, you just call them as you see them. And, you know, can't you understand that people aren't there? And I just say, well, you know what? If you don't like the show, turn the dial. Yeah, you can. Because we're not going to change. We are two Catholics. We call us two evangelical Catholics with PhDs in common sense. And common sense isn't that common. We're just going to preach the Word of God, the teachings of the church. And where the chips fall, that's not, my, that's not even my business, Jess. My business is to be faithful to Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Terry, a couple things that I just yeah. want to mention is that there's a there's a verse in Jonah chapter four verse eleven which reminds me of a lot of people in our country and even in the church. Mm-hmm. Here's what it says: God, God is speaking here to Nineveh, and God says, "And should I not be concerned over the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than a hundred and twenty thousand persons mm-hmm. who cannot know their right hand from their left?" Wow. God is telling Jonah, there's 120,000 persons in Nineveh, Assyria, that don't know their right hand from their left hand. That's like America today. That's like even the church, Terry. Nothing's changed. Yeah. People don't know right from wrong. 
That's what God is telling Jonah. Tell the people. They need to know what's right and wrong. Yeah. They don't know it. Same thing's happening here, Terry. Tell us. Um, a couple things on, on the need-to-know file. Yeah. Is uh, Senator Marco Rubio, Florida, yeah. has a plan for a Republican Party struggling to message on abortion post Roe versus Wade. And he reports uh, to Mary Margaret Olihan uh, a strategy for the election cycle. In other words, as Catholics, we cannot compromise, Terry. Nope. This is part of the platform, and that's just the way it is. Amen. Also, the Jerusalem Patriarch advocates for Gaza's Catholics. That's a good thing. Uh, the, the shepherd is is uh, advocating for the for the, the the people over the Catholics over in Gaza. That's a good thing. Yep. <clears throat> also, uh, Pope Francis writes to Klaus Schwab uh, on the occasion of the 54th annual meeting of the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Pope Francis sent a letter to World Economic F- Forum Chairman Klaus Schwab, sent him a blessing. Yeah. Then he echoes Schwab's controversial slogan. Pope Francis says, we need to build back better. Pope Francis wrote that he hopes the meeting will be an opportunity to find ways to build a better world. Jesse, Uh, can I just jump in? Because that World Forum, you probably saw it. The president of Argentina, is that one you're going to mention? You go ahead and mention that. Because that that just made a big smile on my face when he was calling those guys out. Go ahead. Pretty motivating. Yeah. The 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 Argentina has a new president, and guess what? He's kind of like a, a Trump. Uh, make make Argentina great again. Yeah. And he makes no bones about it. Mm-hmm. His name's his name is Javier oh, Milu. Javier Javier Milu. And he gave a speech, Terry, at the World Economic oh, Forum. Oh my God. I'm surprised he walked out alive. alive. I know. He called them out right to their face. Terry. Uh, Javier Milou, the president, the new president of Argentina, denounced the bloody abortion agenda at the 2024 Davos summit with all the the, the globalists right there sitting down. He also said that that the Davos has been spreading socialism, harmful ideas that have taken a stronghold in our society. He said neo-Marxists have managed to co-opt the common sense of the Western world, wow. and this they have achieved by appropriating the media, culture, universities, and also international organizations. President Malou, Javier Malou, said the latter case is the most serious one wow. probably because they are institutions that have enormous influence on the political and economic decisions of the countries. He also said, Javier Malou, President Malou of Argentina, he said, fortunately, there are more of us who are daring to make our voices heard because we're seeing that if we don't truly and decisively fight against these socialist ideas, the only possible fate for us is to have increasing levels of state regulation, socialism, poverty, and less freedom, and therefore having worse standards of living. I'll vote that for was him. a mic drop moment, yeah, Terry. I'll vote for that man any day, Jess. Yeah. He called yeah. it. You know what I really love about it? People know that that's the truth. Because look at the history of Marxism and socialism. That they have no concern for the people. It's it's all about power. Yeah, and 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 Pope Francis again. He sent a blessing to to uh, Klaus Schwab. He, Pope Francis said, uh, "It is my hope that the participants in this year's forum will be mindful of the moral responsibility to fight against poverty and the attainment of an integral development for our brothers and sisters, and the quest for a peaceful coexistence amongst peoples." Hey, 
Father Siriki from the Acton Institute documented the number one pro form of government that's brought more people out of poverty by far. Not socialism, Capital capitalism. capitalism. I just had to say that, Jess, because it's just the facts. Also, something else that most people don't realize, and this is all over the Internet, that the Davos-Switzerland summit, yeah. it opened up. They had oh, a witch, witch doctor, a witch doctor that performed incantations over everybody that was there. Unbelievable. And, and, and all, the, all the speakers that were sitting up there blew in their face. Wow. And that's Terry. That's that's basically mimicking mimicking a Catholic exorcist. A Catholic exorcist does what's called exuflation during the rite of exorcism. Mm -hmm. He blows upon the possessed person, wow. kind of like where, where the Holy Spirit blows wherever the wind blows. During an exorcism, there's a part of the the rites called an exuflation, yes. where the priest blows the prayers of the Holy Spirit upon the possessed person. The witch doctor at Davos mimicked a Catholic exorcist. Wow. But I'm sure what they were, what he, what he was blowing were demonic curses at the speakers. See, it's unbelievable, Jesse. And then people look and they smile and they say, wasn't that nice? Are we, is this microphone on, Jesse? I mean, are our eyes open? That's the thing I just don't read. I, I, I think, <laughs> why can't they see it for what it is? Evil. Yeah. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening in Mark chapter 3, wow. verse, uh, verse uh, 7 and following. Jesus withdrew toward the sea with his disciples. A large number of people followed from Galilee and from Judea. Hearing what he was doing, a large number of people came to him also from Jerusalem, from Idumea, from beyond the Jordan, and from the neighborhood of Tyre and Sidon. He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd so that they would not crush him. He had cured many, then as a result, those who had diseases were pressing upon him to touch him. And whenever unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, mm -hmm. You are the Son of God. He warned them sternly not to make him known. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to make this very simple because I catechize a lot of people using this verse here, yeah. this passage. Remember, Catholics, people say, Jess, how is it that evil spirits are attracted to us and, and attach themselves to us? Simple. Evil spirits are attracted to people that live in mortal sin. Think about the parable of Jesus casting the possessed demons into pigs. Then the pigs went over the cliff. Why did they go into pigs, the demons? Because pigs are unclean things. Mm -hmm. And so they went from a possessed person, Jesus drove them out, and Jesus take, send them to unclean pigs. Remember, Catholics, if you live in a state of mortal sin, your soul looks like a pig. And your soul looks like a pigsty. It isn't until you clean it up that the demonic will leave. Well, so we come back, we're going to have Bishop Sheen talk about what the saints say about hell. Stay with us. We're listening to the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin for the Powerful. Wow, welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. Jess, I still say I'm too blessed to be stressed. I still say I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, Jess Romero, Terry Barber, we'd be billionaires. Jess, none of this stops my hope in Jesus Christ. You know why? Because 
because this, my faith is not in them. It's in Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. So I want to bring in the smartest guy into the room right now. Terry, I, 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 let yeah. me just say ten, something for 10 seconds. Yeah, I'm not going to mention the name or the dice. I met with a Catholic bishop I face-to-face yeah. yesterday. And I, yeah, I told him go? the same thing. Sure. I told him the same thing. I said, you know what? Um, I'll tell you what sustains me, Bishop, is my faith is not in you or in the Pope <laughs> or in my pastor. Right. My faith is in Jesus Christ, Amen. and I hope your faith is in Jesus Christ as well. Yes. And uh, he didn't push back, Terry. He didn't say anything. Really he didn't. Like, what can you say? I said, my faith isn't in you. I pray for you. Yeah. 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 You have authority. Yeah. And and uh, and I and I said, but you know, Canon two twelve. When I when I see somebody even with a with a red miter yeah. saying something that's fundamentally wrong, Canon two twelve. I'm going to call them out. Yeah. In charity. And, uh, yeah. In cha- absolutely. So it was a good conversation. Good. Go good. ahead, Terry. All right. Bring the smartest guy into the room. Talk- <laughs> Full sheen ahead. Jesse, we've been talking about hell, and you know we had this—I uh, say—tragic statement by the Holy Father on uh, Italian rate television. Three million people heard it. We're not going to let it go. Where he says, "I hope that you know nobody goes to hell. I hope there's, it's empty." Well, I want to give a response through Fulton Sheen, not me, but I just happen to agree with him. Fulton Sheen says, "Saints never deny hell; mm-hmm. they fear it." Why do you, Jesse, I fear it, imperfect contrition. You've got that right. I don't want to go there. Okay. Jesse Sheen says, unrepentant sinners never fear hell. They deny it. What do you think of that quote, Jesse? Isn't that a home run quote? It's horrible. Well, I tell you, it applies to a lot of people in our church today because there's a lot of people, Terry, that deny hell in our church. Very prominent people. Um, But uh, again, people that deny hell, and that's even scoffing. Well, I don't know if it's going to be around. Who knows? Uh, they're in for a rude awakening. They're in for a rude awakening. Uh, I forgot. I forget what what Satan said. That it's those people that hell is full of those poli- people that believe that hell didn't exist. There's a very that makes famous. Sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. There's one of the famous fathers of the church that said that. Well, Terry, this is belt. a. Uh, Put your seatbelt on. We got a young lady, mother, who's, who's yeah. tenacious. Go ahead. Yeah, this is a woman here from the Diocese of Phoenix. This is a friend of mine, friend of ours. Yes, yes. Uh, when I when I moved out here to Phoenix years ago, we reached out and we kind of collaborate because she's a she's a culture warrior. Mm-hmm. Lila Miller and her husband, she wrote an article, Terry, that should have been written years ago. It's called "Let's Call Out Dirty Old Men Again." Yeah, we used to do that. You remember in the old days, if somebody saw something like that, hey, get out of here. Get out of your dirty old man. No, you got dirty old man. Yeah. You'd say it. Yeah, you would say it. That's exactly what you'd say. Yeah. So Lila Rowe writes yeah. the following. This is this is such a good article and it's entertaining. It's funny. It is. But it's 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 it's, so it's spot on. She says, one cannot speak against the acts that used to be called deviant and for perverse because those very acts are being mainstreamed and normalized by all the powers that be. I don't know about you, but I miss the days. When we could freely identify and call out dirty old, <laughs> dirty old men. Mm-hmm. When without reprisal, we could recognize and denounce sexual deviance and not have to pretend that sexual perversion was normal or good. In fact, back then, we were still allowed to use the term deviant and pervert in normal parlance. Yep. To do so wasn't mean. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was honest. Yeah. It was wise and protective. A warning of physical, moral, and spiritual danger ahead. Intuition was still trusted and common sense was still common. Yep. In the not-too-distant past, 
we could openly assess and then warn our children and communities about sickos who sexually groomed, exploited, and preyed on children or vulnerable adults. And we could agree as a society that these people were unsafe, violating the natural order through a natural vice. Today, all discernment on the issue of sexual perversion has been dulled and even forbidden. We can't speak against the acts that used to be called deviant and perverse because those very acts are being mainstreamed and normalized by all the powers that be. Yeah, the deep state and the deep church. To, be, to speak clearly, Lila says, Miller, against any deviant sex act is hate speech. Yep, just think about Father Darius Oko, Terry, who was fined by a German court. He was looking at jail time. Yeah. But he was fined by a German court for writing that that 300-page dossier, homosexual heresy, and giving it to Pope Benedict. Right. The Germans hauled him into court. They tried to jail him. Yep. He had a good lawyer, apparently. He just got he got a, a huge fine. But he was speaking out against against the exactly what Lila's talking about. So she says, "Yes, uh, to speak clearly against deviant speech is deviant sex is hate speech that will get one canceled or worse." In an unholy inversion, it is now those who publicly oppose sexual deviancy who are considered dangerous. According to the education, entertainment, media, corporate, military, medical, psychological, and political establishments, those who hold to Christian morality and traditional standards of decency are now the threats to others and to the social order. Pick it up from there, Terry. You bet. Today, the acts of grooming, specializing uh, sexualizing children are not only tolerated, but are considered a positive good. If you don't believe me, then you haven't watched any preschool shows in a while. I watched that one. She's absolutely right. Nor have you been involved in public schools, nor frequented a public library. If you need to be shaken awake, please do go here just for one tiny, a teeny tiny example. A drop in the ocean filth shoved to our babies. I did watch it. It's horrible. Yeah, so it's a, vi- it's a video she it's posted a video. in her article. Yeah, they're yeah. all trying to promote alternative lifestyles. I say all that as a backdrop in what currently is happening in our own beloved church. Let me just back up for a minute. Bishop Joseph Strickland, I just got this from him. He commented on the article, and I'm just going to quote what he <laughs> said. Yeah, he did. He then, did? Yeah, then you get right back on the article. Okay, he, says, okay. he says this, the great tragedy that this article describes is the devastating harm caused by these men who should be sharing Christ's light. Yeah, he's right, because they're prelates who are doing this. Priests. He says, yeah, we're all sinners who need to repent. They deny sin and embrace evil. Bishop Strickland, why don't you really tell me what you think? <laughs> wow, continue, Jess. I had to Lila, Lila continues writing, I say all that as a backdrop to what is currently happening and our own beloved church in previous decades, faithful and concerned Catholics, knew who the bad actors were in the U.S. Episcopate. Yeah. Bishops and cardinals we knew such them. as Weakland, yep. Gumbleton, yep. Clark, yep. Mahoney, Bernardine, etc. Many assumed that the, those creepy prelates were a few rotten, if powerful, if, if powerful apples who just slipped through to the hierarchy somehow, but that the majority of bishops were faithful Catholic shepherds. That was my position back then. That was mine too, Terry. Perhaps weak, but at least trying to be virtuous and believing what the church taught. 
when the first round of priest sex scandals hit the church in 2002 through secular reporting and not internal policing, many of us decried those depraved, depraved crimes, crimes that were disproportionately male on male. Yep. And then naively defended the hierarchy in general, assuming that the majority of bishops were committed to cleaning out the filth. Again, that was me. That, that, yeah. I'm guilty of, yeah. of completely being blind to all of this. Me too. It's hard to imagine now, but Catholics and Americans in general were still allowed to have a visceral reaction to sodomy. This was a full 13 years before same-sex marriage was forced on America by the Supreme Court and long before the euphemism, love is love, had begun to flesh out its myriad disordered implications. Years later, when the summer of shame 2018 <clears throat> burst upon us like a typhoon, faithful Catholics realized what, with, the, with horror that not only were the pervert offenders not on their last gasp, but they were more powerful than ever. After the kingmaker and serial homosexual child rapist, Cardinal Uncle Ted McCarrick was finally exposed and then thrown under the bus by the rest of the Lavender Mafia, who, like so many others, knew for years of his perverted sexual crimes. American Catholics face a dark reality. Not only was the Lavender Mafia not dethroned, but it was a hydra. Cut off the head, McCarrick, and multiple new heads spring up in its place. Yep. Now we have the merry band of LGBTQZYZ friendly cardinals like Supich, Farrell, Gregory, Tobin, and McElroy. Yep. And I could ask ours and, and Dolan from, from Phoenix. Yep. Not an exhaustive list who are running the joint with no end in sight, I might add. We won't even get into the former general... General Secretary of the USCCB, Monsignor Jeffrey Burrell, a favorite of the bishops who was using the homosexual hookup app, Grinder, on a near daily basis for years, oh even when on official church duty. And that's a homosexual app, by the way, the homosexual yep. hookups. But because he did nothing illegal, his countless one-hit sex acts with strangers were committed with adult men. The head of the USCCB, Archbishop Gomez, told his brother bishops that, that, uh, that Monsignor Burrell's improper behavior was a distraction. So he accepted Burrell's resignation. Yeah. A, a distraction? Call that, a sin a, a sin, man. Stop being... <laughs> I'm sorry. God bless it. That's your bishop, Terry. I know, but just yeah. call it for what it is, Jess. <laughs> it's a distraction, Terry. Uh, you got to go to confession and say, bless bless Father, me, Father, for I, I have had a distraction. Oh my, uh, I, uh, my last confession was yeah. 20 years ago, and, and this is my distraction. The euphemism. Go ahead. <laughs> it says, uh, only improper, simply a distraction? Yeah. What scripture or saints' writings through 2,000 years or, previ or previous incarnations of church law yeah. would track with Archbishop Gomez's reaction to this level of deviancy and scandal in the priesthood? Yeah. And guess what? Less than one year later, Bishop Burrell, Burrell's bishop made him pastor of a church. Unbelievable. Wow. Note, Lila writes, I have not the slightest problem with even the greatest sinner being reconciled to Christ and his church through confession. I am a grateful prodigal daughter myself. How beautiful is the mercy of God. Amen. But this type of priestly scandal should and used to necessitate a life spent in quiet solitude, prayer, and penance in a faraway monastery at least. Yeah. 
The problems with sexual perversion, of course, go all the way up to the Vatican itself. And we can be sure that the headlines only scratch the surface. Remember the drug-fueled homosexual orgy that happened on Vatican grounds? Oops. Or the Bishop Zenketa and Father Rupnik scandals that seem to have no resolution? Especially not the type of resolution that masculine, protective men would bring to those who harm others in sexually deviant and morally criminal ways. And who can forget the creepy Archbishop Paglia, president of the Pontifical Academy for Life, a man who had his own likeness inserted into a homoerotic church mural. And it's still there. Stay stay with us, family. This is trash, okay, in our church, and we need to clean it up. And I'm glad she's calling it out. Yes, we need to call it out because you know what? Fearless woman. Too long. Stay with us, family. That's why we need to be praying and making reparations for these sacrileges that are going on in our church. Hey, don't leave. There's nowhere to go. Stay with us. Stay with the church. Well, Jesse, welcome back, folks. I mean, you, you almost want to, um, uh, you make this, you make this whole statement here, this article could make you sick or it can make you better. The reason I make it better is that you can pray for Holy Mother of the Church for healing because the, the things that have been going on in the church are really tearing the body ac- apart. Jesse, you're in the middle of talking about, I think you're, you're talking about the drug-fueled f- uh, homosexual orgy that happened in the Vatican. Yeah, we, I remember that we all, I mean, it was like, are you kidding me? That's a, hey, Jesse, can I just say one thing that's not in this article? Yeah, those are things that happened in East L.A., Terry, when I was a cop. Yeah, Jess, a friend of mine, I won't say the priest's name, he came to me and he said, Terry, this has been going on for a while. He said, one of our superiors was going into Rome uh, to do business and he needed to use the restroom. And he went into the restroom and there were two Monsignors uh, having homosexual sex. I'm trying to say it in a nice way. There's no nice way. He caught him right there in the bathroom. And see, this is why we're out of control. And that's why when people say, Jesse, Terry, stop talking about this stuff. It's, 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 you shouldn't be condemning it. You shouldn't be talking about it. Just look the other way. No, Jesse, I believe our Lord is calling us to speak out on this because he wants this trash to be removed. Did you hear what I called it? I called it trash. Yeah, why? Because what's happening in the church, they're, they're coming down and they're saying they're living a double life. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that's not acceptable for the gospel. It's not acceptable for us lay people to watch and say, oh, that's okay. He can have a, uh, a, you know, he's a partner or he can have, you know, this. He can do nope. all these sexual things. No, he can't. Nope. Because if we love him, we tell him the truth. But let's, let's continue on this article, Jess, about Rubnick and all the others. Lila writes, there's a reason that unnatural sex acts are called an abomination to the Lord. Oh, yeah. And that sodomy is on the short list of sins that cry out that's to right. heaven for vengeance. One of the most beloved and productive LGBTQXYZ activist clerics is the ubiquitous Jesuit Father James Martin, who is not only a darling of the secular media and the homosexual uh, trans world, but also was appointed by Pope Francis as a consultor to the Vatican Secretariat for Communications. In a world determined to destroy souls through massive acceptance, and participation in unnatural and morally sinful acts, I have not seen or heard Martin in all these years exhort his countless followers to repent of and and turn from deadly sexual sins, even though the homosexual and trans community are this priest's wheelhouse and ministry. 
Which brings us to the latest dirty old man in the oh, Catholic headlines, gosh. Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez. Wow. Who has ascended to the heights of church authority as the head of the DDF. We're expected to pretend that he's normal, holy, and ordered. A virtuous, manly prelate who loves the Lord and, lo and, and the Lord's moral law. Really? We are expected to brush aside or question our census fidei, our acquired wisdom, intuition, common sense, all our Catholic knowledge and sensibilities in order to pretend that this priest's pornographic and blasphemous discussions with a minor are not only fine, but even on par with the saint's writings and spiritual experiences. Horrible. The gaslightings, justifications, and excuses by the usual suspects of the Catholic left and the Pope-splainers have brought us a new and worse phenomenon. The perv-splainers. And it's wearing. Look, we all, know that not, we all know that not a single normal Catholic father or mother would allow this man, Cardinal, heal me with your mouth, to be alone with his or her child for That's any for amount sure. of time. That's for sure. It cannot be wrong to say that. No. And no amount of shaming from the perv-splainers will change that fact. Even when the next pronouncements to come from Cardinal Fernandez's DDF contain good stuff that faithful Catholics will be glad to hear, it will not negate the depravity that came from the man and was never disavowed. That's right. Despite his defenders' attempt to claim otherwise, the Cardinal's own words make clear that his only regret is that his blasphemous porn dialogues might be misunderstood. <laughs> instead, Terry, instead of retracting what he said. Can I, can I uh, jump in for a second, Jess? Do you ever think of McCarrick said a similar thing about his shenanigans? He said, oh, um, I, you know, I don't regret anything I've done. I haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. See, this is yeah. consistent with men that are addicted to pornography. Okay, yeah. continue. What is the point of all this? I guess... I'm just a frustrated mother and grandmother wondering why any of this perversion is being tolerated, ignored, or justified, and why we are no longer encouraged or even allowed to protect our children and communities by speaking plainly. We are shamed and mocked and dismissed when we try to do so, not only by the secular world, but by fellow Catholics who have either forgotten who they are, have lost their faith, or who are actively working for the enemy. I think most of it's the latter. I agree with you. Today with the incidence and acceptance of child grooming and pedophilia on a meteoric rise, wouldn't this be the best time to find our voice without worrying about offending the offenders? Wouldn't this be the right time to reject the lie that pornographic blasphemy and sexual depravity dovetail seamlessly with the beauty of Catholic teaching on human sexuality and spiritual union? Instead of trying to perv-splain, isn't this our moment to scream out? Stranger, danger, when we spot a sexual deviant. Yep. I think it is. Yep. And if, despite all evidence presented, a Catholic can, can tell the difference between something pure and something salacious, between sacred art and porn, or between a saint describing spiritual union and a creepy sex pervert, then we've reached a point where we must ask a person to stay far away from our children and grandchildren. And, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Jesse, uh, this is something. Let, well, she's, let's finish the article because I want to make a comment where this okay. all comes to. Go ahead. She says, 
Have we not learned? Have we learned nothing about grooming yeah. and abuse? I hope not. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, she goes, I'm tired of perverts and deviants running the show and destroying souls. So am I. No, he, she goes, let's make calling out dirty old men cool again. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to go back to 1968, Jesse, and say once we compromised on Hermani Vitae and separated a uh, sexual act of a husband and wife and then mm. made it recreational, this all led to all of this, Jesse. Yeah. And, and I'm going to say this is what, 50-some years ago this took place, 55 years ago. And... Now we're bearing the fruits of not standing up for humanity vitae and for what a sexual uh, uh, the sexual act is for. See, what happened is we've decided to take it from what God's view is, the procreative and unitive aspect of a husband and a wife, to say whatever you want it to be, that's, if it feels good, it's okay. And so what's happened is we can't even figure out the difference between a man and a woman. We've gone in 50 years to this point. So I want to just make a suggestion that the answer is always the same. Go back to Jesus Christ's teachings. And I think that we need to ask our leaders, which are our shepherds, to watch the flock and teach the perennial teachings of the church and not try to be one with the world because, you know, when we go to the world and we act like we're one with the world, let, let's be honest right now. Catholics right now and secular people have the same values when it comes to sexual uh, teachings. That, that's a sad thing to have to say, but we know that for effects. When it comes to abortion, when it comes to contraception, we have done a terrible job passing on the faith when it comes to sexual morality. As, Catholic, as lay Catholics, yeah. we need priests to be better examples of the priesthood like St. Joseph, like our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. As Catholics, we deserve priests who give us clear teachings about the church's deposit of faith. That's right. We need priests who, te- who, who, who denunciate clearly homosexual acts. That's right. We need priests who aren't afraid of hurting people's feelings, but give us the doctrines of the church unto our salvation. And and if a priest doesn't give us a clear witness of the teachings of the church, Father Pavone calls that having, getting a contraceptive homily. He says a lot of priests give contraceptive homilies. There's a, he says there's a big condom on them as they're on the pulpit. Why? Because they're withholding the, the truth of Jesus Christ. And I would ask every priest to go back to your congregation and offer them a renewed witness to your masculine love for Christ's bride, the church. Right. And assure them that you're going to defend them in a manly way from all the wolves that attack your flock. And, and, and also remember that a, a, a Catholic priest his church, the the bride of, of his spouse is the church. You are called to lay down your life for your bride, the church, and that's your parishioners. Yep. Well said, Jesse. And and again, you know, it hurts us to have to say all this that's gone on in our on our watch. In other words, we've lived through all this. And again, uh, enough's enough. We need to call our leaders out with charity and clarity, and that's what we're doing here. And I want to encourage people to be praying for Holy Mother of the Church like you've never done before. 
and offering up your suffering for the good of the church because we need prayer support to win this battle because think who's really having a good time with all this, Jesse? Satan. Satan. He's going, man, I got you guys. Mm-hmm. Because why? What did Bishop Sheen say about it, it was immorality, it was uh, violence, all these things about the demonic? They're all in our culture right now. The devil is having his heyday. All you good priests out there, double down on orthodoxy and double down on your prayer life and double down on holiness. Yeah. We're, we know we're going to win this battle because Holy. it's already been won by the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We just have to cooperate with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We already know how this ends. Yep. So as, as Catholic men, women, and Catholic priests, okay, rush to the battle lines. And remember, Jesus Christ is leading this army yep. called Ecclesia, Ecclesia Militans. Yep. In Latin, the church militant. That's who the lay people are. Terry, up next, we're going to be talking about a very the way high the official, the high Mary, official, yeah. yeah, he's a big yeah. shot, a senior Vatican official. You know what I always say when people say that? I really question. He says it's difficult to be a celibate. Are you kidding me? I was a celibate for 32 years before I got married. You know, want me to tell you something, dude? I I question uh, your your ability to stay celibate, okay? Because you you need to have your eyes on Jesus to be celibate. We'll come back and talk more about that and much more on the Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I have a laugh here, Richard. Or Jesse, you don't see it, but Richard's always telling me, get back in the seat, get back in the seat. Because I never stay put in one place for very long. And so I just kind of like, you know why, Jess? I, I just, this excites me to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And even when we talk about all the crummy things that are going on, because the answer is always the same. It's Jesus Christ. Now, now, what is the DDF Archbishop making a case for Mary Priest? What does the DDF stand for, Jess? Dicastery for the mm-hmm. Doctrine of the Faith. Wow. And Terry, here's what's interesting as as we this is a short article, yeah. <coughs> the the archbishop, mm-hmm. uh, who's an adjunct secretary yeah. to the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith, yeah. a senior Vatican official and archbishop has made a major case for married priests, according to clips from an exclusive interview just released by the Times of Malta. In a recent article, Archbishop Charles Cicluna yeah. of Malta called for the church to seriously discuss allowing priests the option to be married in light of the worldwide lack of priests. Mm-hmm. He said this. This is probably the first time I say it publicly, and it will sound heretical to some people, <laughs> said Archbishop uh, uh, you know, Charles Cicluna. Yeah, of Malta. Uh, yeah, of Malta. He says, addressing the current vocation crisis, Archbishop Cicluna decried the loss of potential priests over the church's celibacy requirement. He goes, quote, why should we use a long, uh, Why should we lo- lose a young man who would have made a fine priest just because he wanted to get married? And then he says, quote, and, wh- and we did lose good priests just because they chose marriage, he added. The Latin rite of the Catholic Church has required its priests to remain celibate since the 12th century. However, the, the bishop pointed out that priests in the early church had the option to marry and said that it should become optional again. The Archbishop 
discuss cases of priests who cope with their position by carrying out sentimental relations in secret. Yeah. Uh, many of them are way more than sentimental. But yeah. you, you know what, Jesse? You may make a comment. Just because someone breaks their vow, is that a reason to say, okay, well, we'll take care of it. We won't make you take that vow anymore. That seems like a very lowering of the bar down. So that's all I can say. Good. Absolutely. He, and, and here's what the Archbishop Cicluna said. Yeah. He said, this is a global reality. It doesn't just happen in Malta. We know there are priests around the world who, who also have children. And I think there are ones in Malta who may have two. As an adjunct secretary for the DDF, Cicluna heads the department, which deals specifically with clerical sexual abuse cases. Oh, yeah, I really trust him. I don't. And has also <laughs> conducted investigations into sex abuse cases on behalf of the Holy See since 2012. Cicluna's comments on married, on married priests are excerpts from a full interview, which will, will be released by the Times of Malta soon. Here's my commentary. Tell me. I noticed that the cardinals that surround and the archbishops that surround this present Holy See. Yeah. They spend a lot of time, they spend a lot of time thinking about below the waist issues. Yeah, right. I want to, we need married priests. Uh, we need to allow uh, people in, in uh, second marriages uh, uh, the, the right to receive Holy Communion without without the benefit of an annulment. Uh we need to focus on male and female orgasms. We need to talk, teach young people how to kiss. This holy sees nasty men. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lila Miller gave. I'm glad she gave me license to say these dirty old men who have the title of cardinal. They spend a lot of time thinking, reflecting, and writing about issues below the waist. That's a fact. Yeah, I would prefer them to talk and spend more time about helping us get to heaven because that's part of what their job description is. That's not in the radar. Well, it needs to be, and that's why we're going to pray them yeah. to convert because what they're talking about is a worldly view. And, you know, remember, Jesse, this is something I want to quote from Fulton Sheen again, and I'll just say it as quick as I can here. Uh, let me get it right here. And Bishop Sheen talks about this. He says, and this is why we have to get back to this, because this is a bad example for the Catholic Church. If I were not a Catholic, Bishop Sheen said, and I were looking for a true church in the world today, I would look for the one church which did not get along well with the world. In other words, I would look for the church which the world hates. And what's happened right now, Jesse, is souls are being diverted because of bad example in the Catholic Church. Now, we can look the other way. We won't do that, though, because souls are worth saving and that's why we're asking our leadership to get their eyes fixed back on Jesus Christ rather than the world. Because that's how I see it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And, and uh, let me just offer some additional information on the whole celibacy and where it comes from. Oh, yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. this, this really actually comes from the New Testament. It comes from the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, number yep, one. That's right. It also comes from other examples in the New Testament. In fact, the greatest saint that Jesus Christ said... the. There is no man greater born of woman than John the Baptist. He was also a celibate. That's right. Elijah was also a celibate. I mean, so th there's a St. Paul was also a celibate. There's a long tradition yep. 
Uh, and back, back, by the way, the Jews also had a community of celibates. They were called the Essenes. Yeah. So there's a long tradition to this. This isn't something that we made up, you know, uh, you know, uh, 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 a short while ago. Yeah. You could also see now some people say, well, Jess and Terry, but people in the early church, a lot of the bishops were married like Peter. Yeah, granted. I'll tell you why. Because when the Catholic Church was, was established and when people were, were, were becoming followers of Christ, many of these followers of Christ, like St. Peter, they were married men. Yeah. And this is why St. Paul, when he wrote to Titus is important. and to Timothy, yep. he said, because they were recruiting mostly from married men who had converted to Christianity yeah. from paganism, he, he said in 1 Timothy 3.2 and, 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 and 1 Timothy 3.12 and Titus 1.6 that a bishop can only be a man married only one time to a woman, only once. And that was in the early church because they were recruiting from people that were pagans that weren't Christians. Right. So they were recruiting men from single and married men. Now, you'll find, though, that among the apostles, uh, we know that St. Peter was married because it, said he, he, it talks about his mother-in-law. But it doesn't tell us any clear indication of the other apostles. It doesn't. And then we also find that uh, our Lord tells, St. Peter asks our Lord, about, you know, what do we have to do to follow you? And our Lord says, quote, in, in, Mark, in Luke 18, 20, our Lord says, I solemnly tell you, Peter, there is no one who has left house, wife, brothers, parents, or children for the sake of the kingdom who will not be given repayment many times over in this present time yep. and in the world to come, eternal life. So you see from the mouth of Christ already, the way he's setting apart certain men and women for a, a non-married life to become total followers of him right in the early church, right in the New Testament. And then if you look at the history of the church in terms of celibacy for the priests, this is pretty old. Yeah. You, The Council of Elvira in Spain in 310 AD uh, documented priestly celibacy. Yeah. Uh, Canon 33 you got also the Council of the Church of Africa in 390 A.D. Uh, it also talked about priestly church celib celibacy in the West. The Council of Carthage in 419, where St. Augustine attended, they also adopted the same norms of a celibate priesthood for the West. You also have Pope Siricius. He answered a specific consultation about clerical celibacy back in 385 AD, and he affirmed that, that bishops and priests who continue marital relations after ordination violate an irrevocable law from the very inception of the Catholic Church, which binds them to continence. Yeah. yeah. And, and here's one more. I think the, the, the big one. Priests are called to take a vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience. It all comes from the New Testament. Poverty. Our Lord says in Matthew 19, 21, sell what you possess and give to the poor. Chastity comes from the New Testament, Matthew 19, 10. Not all men can receive this, but only those to whom it is given. There are some who have renounced marriage for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Whoever can accept this ought to accept it. Third, obedience, Matthew 19, 21. Jesus says, Come, follow 
me. These are called the evangelical councils. This is, this is, now, getting to he- you could get to heaven through the vocation of marriage or the vocation of holy orders, but the fastest way to get to heaven, the fastest, most direct way to get to heaven is holy orders and the religious life. And let me give you the practical aspects. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, the Anglican Ordinariate, they allow for married priests, but now they've made the decision for future priests in the order, they're all going to be celibate. Okay, so they allowed for this transition coming into the church, the married ones, to become married priests. But they realized, and we, I saw it, we had a married priest here, a great guy, but many times when we had him to do ministry, he had to go back to his wife and family because that was his first priority. Think about a celibate priest and the sacrifices that he makes because he can dedicate total time directly to the ministry. And that's what our Lord did. So they're really, and, and this is the last thing I'll say, he's really mimicking Jesus Christ, okay? Because Jesus Christ was celibate. They're in persona Christi, another aspect. Not that they can't be married, but there's a practical side and also a supernatural side of beauty for celibacy. Amen. Hey, just remember this. Who's our Savior? Jesus yeah. Christ. Who died for our sins? Jesus Christ. Who's our judge? Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember, our victory is assured in Jesus Christ. Stay close to Jesus. Live in a state of grace. Don't wander away into mortal sin. Right. And don't worry about all the corruption in politics and even in the church. Guess yeah. what? God is going to judge them. God is their judge. Yep. If you want to be free mentally, leave room for God's vengeance. Remember, God says, vengeance is mine, right. says the Lord. Your best strategy is to be a prayer warrior. Your best strategy is to forgive your enemies. Your best strategy is to do good to those who have abused you. And your best strategy is to love God above everything else. Remember, God is honored that you are fighting in his army. God bless you, faithful Catholics. Keep the faith. Amen, amen, amen. I say unto you, Jesse. Well said, folks. Uh, Let's just be honest. The state we need to be living in is the state of grace through the sacraments. Get that rosary out. Do what that man told me this morning. He's leading his family to Christ. He's not worried about all the corruption. What he's doing is he's praying for Holy Mother of the Church. Jess, what state should we be living in, brother? State of sanctifying grace. You got it. Don't live in in the slime of the state of mortal sin. You got it. And thanks again for supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God richly bless you and your family. God love you.